Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Hello and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. Our guest, Chip Frederick, will talk Commodore baseball. The news today presented by our friends at Sutherland and Belk, a Nashville-based injury law firm. Sutherland and Belk is committed to fighting for those who have been injured in car, motorcycle, and truck accidents. Check them out at sbinjurylaw.com. Well, it was a wild one on Wednesday night for Vanderbilt baseball. The Commodores come from behind, did not hold a lead till the final pitch of the game. And boy, what an eventful pitch that was. Stanford's Brendan Beck throws a wild pitch over the head of his catcher. Spencer Jones trots home from third. The Commodores, one of four teams left standing in Omaha after a 6-5 win. Luke Murphy picks up the victory with a really good relief effort. Dominic Keegan hits a two-run home run earlier in the game. Enrique Bradfield, Spencer Jones have hits in the ninth inning. The Commodores survive in what was frankly a miracle game, and that's going to be the topic of today's podcast. Chip Frederick joins me today as this is, oh goodness, just 12 hours or so after Vanderbilt has won one of the more improbable and crazy games I've ever seen. I'm chuckling because pre-podcast, Chip and I were looking at some audio. Chad Bishop at the Vandy site (laughs) that's a video I guess there was a boom mic that picked up on some of Corbin's pep talk I don't think that most of it's repeatable here uh, but I think the message was delivered I think it included the phrase grow up Uh, that's the part we can repeat (laughs) you're gonna have to paint the dugout I think I think quite possibly but uh, man, you know, well, well, there, there, there's so this. many things to rewind in this game uh, and, and the way that I experienced it watching it from home. Uh, I I just was... Well, I'll, I'll leave it here for this and then we'll circle back to that later because the pep talk is a, a segment in and of its own. But um, I don't think that game really sunk into me until long after it was over. I, and I, I I know it didn't sink in while I was watching it in because it just didn't feel real or, or right that it ended that way. Just they were so bad the whole night. Well, you got to get 27 outs, right? I mean, Abner Doubleday and the, and the group that formed baseball didn't make it 26 or 27, you know, 25 and made it nine innings, 27 outs. And that just goes to prove And anytime you got young kids and you're teaching them the game, you got – even high school kids or grade school kids, it's just you got to get 27 outs. And and uh, Stanford lo- learned the hard way. I mean, you hate it for that kid that it ended the way it did. I mean, if you're – I mean, anybody who – I mean, you're thrilled if you're a Vanderbilt fan and I'm sitting there with my family and, you know, two pitches before I'm sitting there yelling, throw one to the screen, throw one to the screen. Come on, you know, I'm – you know, just t- trying to – anything to happen – because in that game, it was almost like cops-esque of, of Arkansas. You knew your, your chances were going to be extremely limited uh, with the way that Brandon Beck was pitching. It, it, it was his curveball was unbelievable. Anytime you get that 12-6 curveball, 
when as a hitter you think it's a strike and you swing at it and it's a foot in front of the plate or it's at your ankles and and uh you know those are you you hear and I, I joke about it with friends i mean <clears throat> Kyle Peterson who i respect very much and i think he is and is one of the best i mean he is the best analyst in college baseball and and um you know i i uh, just admire his work and a lot of people say hey, you want to get a t-shirt that just has Kyle Peterson's face on it and says elevate the fastball because that's one of the th- that's one of his catchphrases that he uses all the time. But he talks about eye movement and he talked a lot. And that whole thing about elevating the fastball, that's all hitting is. I mean, you've got in, to fool a hitter, you've got to change the eye angle of what a hitter sees. And if you get the same eye angle, he's going to eventually catch up with it. Well, with what, what Brandon Beck was doing and what Cops does it at Arkansas is it just your eye angle changes so much. And he was commanding that 12-6 curveball uh, in, in the two and two-thirds innings he pitched for most of the night. And it, it was, you saw the looks on the Vanderbilt hitters of almost dismay, almost like they had with cops when they faced him in the SEC tournament. And my goodness, it, it just didn't work out for him. And, uh, you know, he, he hangs a pitch to Bradfield you had Vaz walks, of course, and he and he and he hangs a pitch uh, that that Bradfield can handle, and it, it just so many things happen. I'm with you. It's it's like it, there were games within the game. <clears throat> I'm like a nervous parent. I'm out there in the sixth, seventh inning, like it was in the North Carolina State game, checking on the sprink, checking the sprinklers out in the front yard, walking around, thinking my the room that I'm watching the game on which TV is going to give me better luck. I'm I'm one of those guys. Uh, and I don't even have anybody playing that's in the family. And um, the way it ended was uh, you, you almost knew, too, that if Vanderbilt was going to win that game, they had to win it in the ninth, take it any further. I mean, Murphy was pitching great. Uh, I liked his poise, but it was almost like something was going to happen dramatically, and, and it, of course it did. And and you, you um, the way it ended was um, – Nothing, I would say probably the last 17 innings of Vanderbilt baseball is forgettable, especially at the plate. Well, not just especially the plate. I mean, the, the, the errors, the three errors, and the uncharacteristic blunders that this team was making. You had Enrique Bradfield, who's not running out third strike, drop third strikes, and they pan to the crowd, and you see his dad even saying, what are you doing? When teams fall apart, it seems sometimes it just happens to come in waves, and that's what was happening. And people scratching their head, going, "What and what are we watching?" You, 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 and I talked in the middle of the game, and I, I called you in the middle of the yeah. game, and the first thing I said to you is, "What is this that we're watching?" Because I, right. the, the first three to four innings, I did not recognize that team. That that is nothing like the baseball Tim Corbin's teams play. I mean, I'm fond of saying that. If you aren't really into college baseball, don't watch it much in February and March because you see the ugly side is kids are starting to play and it's cold and, um, you know, all sorts of stuff, right? Um, And in Omaha, in the SEC tournament, that's when guys are clicking. School is out and teams have cohesiveness, playing together, all sorts of stuff. You know, and and nobody more than Vanderbilt gets it right in Omaha. They just play so clean. They don't beat themselves. And just to watch the first three to four innings last night, that included a, you know, a, an 
argument or whatever you want to call it between Scott Brown and, and Christian Little. That included, you know, what, three errors. And, and frankly, the ball that Thomas misplayed wasn't an error because of the way games are scored, but that really should have been four. I know there were a couple of good defensive plays. Jason Gonzalez made one in particular, so did Javi Vaz, that undid some of the damage. But the point I'm making is that was so unlike them. Like, you kind of think you know what you're getting with them. And that was just hard to watch and hard to process because it was so unlike every team I've ever seen of his that got to this point. Yeah, it was it was so unfamiliar is what I guess the word is. And, and Tim Corbin said in his press conference, and I thought it was perfect that he said this because I hadn't thought about it. I was looking for the right word into talking to, to former teammates and friends. Is it was like they were in quicksand, and and that's the best thing. You know, the, the <clears throat> throw from Parker Nolan to Carter Young was the epitome of it. That that, that went errant and went to Carter Young's left and went to left field. It was almost, and and you, if you're Vaz, you're not expecting that throw, but it took an eternity, it seemed like, for them to get that ball and run it back in, and and the, and you know Isaiah Thomas was struggling in right field. He had the misplayed ball, and that the, there was another play out there that barely, you know, almost tipped his glove, and he he was struggling in right field, and and just the mannerisms. If you've ever coached, if you've ever been a been a coach. A, known coaches and known the psyche of coaches you can you can definitely tell through mannerisms and through eye contact and i think when corbin said before he gave the the pep talk in the in the dugout was he didn't like the eyes of the team when he went out there for the pitching change when he went out to get christian little and you had the 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 situation with little and brown in the dugout. it was just there's a lot of things that he didn't like when you do those things as a coach, though, Chris, you you can be – if you're a yeller and you're a consistent like that and you're a guy who gets on people, that that doesn't – you know, if you try to reach back and give one huge speech when they're struggling, it kind of falls on deaf ears. When you're Tim Corbin and, as he said, and he, he lets the guys play the game, it's their game to win or lose. He mentioned that when the effectiveness of that, because he's basically calling them out on it and saying, you know, look, I'm seeing this and in no uncertain terms, what an inconsistency that it's not Vanderbilt baseball. And he let them have it. And I'm glad he did. Now the whole deal with Brown and, and Christian little, and even that talk in the dugout, if you're not in Omaha, maybe nobody really knows about that. I mean, there's, you know, 15, 20 cameras, there's boom mics, there's reporters hanging out in the other side of the dugout, and that all gets amplified. So you, you got to live with what happened. I mean, it, it, the reality is what it is. But I, I um, you know, that was a spark because you got the two-run home run by Keegan immediately following that, and the, and the response. And although Stanford did get one back in the sixth, you still felt like it was maintaining, and they stayed in the ball game and 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 scratched it out. Of course, it gave them a chance there at the end, and once again. The, the the quattro of Maldonado, McIlvain, Fisher, Murphy, although Fisher not even just one batter, but kept Stanford at bay where they didn't have a chance to blow it open. And Stanford definitely, of all the head scratching that Stanford could do this morning, except for Beck's pitch, you have to look back on they had some opportunities there to blow it wide open. And then I think if they had it, if they had it 
if they scratch out two, three runs, it's over, uh, and and they're going on to play on Friday instead of Vanderbilt, and that's not what happened. And you have to tribute once again to these guys in the bullpen who kept Stanford at bay, gave the Vanderbilt team a chance to survive and do what they did in the ninth. Because as you know, in in any sport, especially baseball, it's it's not it's the stuff that leads up to that dramatic finish. It, that's just as important as what happened when you get the guys on base and you you get the ground ball and the throwing error by Stanford and runners at first and third and then the wild pitch. There's a lot that's built up before that and a lot of sweat equity that happens in order to win a baseball game. Yeah, I felt, I think I said, I just felt terrible for Brendan Beck. I process a lot of stuff as a parent. Uh, you know, in, in, in the middle of this last night, I'm I'm trying to watch the board and watch the game. Um, we have a, a daughter who turns 10 today and, uh, birthdays oh. are a big deal around this house. Yeah. We had people in our front yard, you know, setting up the, the happy birthday, you know, in the big letters, right. There are right. people that's their job to, to do that now. And we, we had that going on in our front yard, um, uh, you know, and our daughter's like, what's that noise? And we're like, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and, and try to try to do all that. I've, I've got a puppy dog running around the house. I got uh, a son who's watching with me and just you know, all this against the backdrop of everything last night and my board is going nuts uh, and I'm just like I, I'm not a hot take baseball guy I think you know that uh, it, it, <laughs> if you make comments and, and judgments in the moment uh, you, you're kind of missing the point for the most part uh, but but it got to a point where it just was so bad again it's like by, by the third inning I'm like what what am I watching here um and then they come back. Keegan gets the home run not long after the quote-unquote pep talk. So they get a couple on the board, and you're feeling a little better about their chances. But then Matthews kind of goes back to just you know setting them down, and I'm just thinking if they can't hit this kid, they're not going to hit anybody. And then they brought Brendan Beck in. And Beck is just throwing gas and throwing curves, and they can't handle it. And and he goes, you know, gets Gonzalez on one pitch after he's brought in mid count, which then you had the whole, you know, the the outfielder suddenly gets hurt thing too. We'll get into that in a minute. Um, you know, I'm I'm just going into the ninth inning, and this is where my head was. Uh, I usually keep a scorebook and and try to track pitches. Some I'm just like I'm just gonna sit back and watch. And I went in to get some ice cream into our kitchen because I'm just like, I'm going to have a long story. And I'm already processing in my head, this is how I'm going to write the end of the season story. And I've been right. thinking that for a while because I just thought with Beck on the mound, just most of it's a pitcher, man. Even if, if a pitcher is great, even if you have a good approach and a good lineup, more often than not, it doesn't work out. And he was just dealing. I, I thought that their chance passed when Nolan – Hits that ball to first. The first baseman makes a really good play. Uh, and then when Rodriguez, who's the guy that I trust to put the bat on the ball and make something happen more than anybody, when he pops to center, I, I, I'm just like, it's over. I, in fact, I missed the first two pitches of the Nolan at bat because I just wasn't feeling it. I'm like, this isn't going to happen. And I'm I'm sitting in there getting ice cream, thinking, how am I going to write this story? And, and then I'm watching the game, and I'm watching it unfold. And it really didn't occur to me until Bradfield got the hit that they might win this thing, I thought, well, now at least they can go to the night. And I guess Beck, part of it, he just lost it through the the pitch buildup. But it just was one of those things. It was this, one of the strangest games 
because I really didn't even react to it as I was watching it happen because to me it was so stunning given the way Brendan Beck was dealing, but I guess everybody's got their breaking point, and I guess that apparently is right where it was. Not to take anything away from Vanderbilt. They got some good swings earlier, and it just wouldn't happen, wasn't happening, but it, it happened, in, I guess, in a span of really seven pitches uh, from the time that Vaz took the walk uh, to the time the wild pitch happened. It just it unfolded so quickly, Chip. Yeah, and you look at um, the the importance of one pitch. In, in sports, you know, what happened with Jack Leiter the other night uh, with giving up the one home run after striking out 15 batters. He mentioned that in the postgame show. One pitch. Every pitch matters. It shows the importance that every single pitch matters. And you look at what happens with Javi Vaz, where he could have very easily, in the moment you're playing in front of 20,000 people, national television, you're down to your last strike and uh, the emphasis of that one pitch that he took, he laid off and got the walk and that put the merry-go-round in motion to where you at least got a chance. You get a runner on first base and then you have the pinch hit by Spencer Jones who hits the ball hard. There's an errant throw. And then all of a sudden when you get the runner at first, you know, anything in baseball can happen. I've always said when you get a runner in scoring position, that's what happened. Well, then he gets the third and anything can happen. Then you expand your possibilities of ball hitting the gap or just to base it up the middle, you're going to score. Now you're on third base, and now the same things can happen. Oh, yeah, wild pitch, which is 5% chance of happening the way he was pitching. But at least you have a chance to, to – I think he got stuck in the netting. Did it not? Did the ball not get stuck in the – there's a netting behind home plate. I don't even think the catcher had a had a chance to play with it. It might have been a dead ball anyway, but – I mean, what are the chances of that happening? But those those important things of Vaz's up his at bat was crucial because, as I mentioned, all the things that have to lead up to the point that you even give yourself a chance to tie the game. And uh, I think that kid. I mean, he's he's only started one game, and then Corbin mentioned it was the Georgia game when Colwick got hurt. Um, that Vaz had to start before his little run here in the NCAA tournament. And you got to, I mean, he made a great play in the outfield. His at bat, he's seen the ball well. He's just, uh, he's a gamer. He's a, he's a, a kid who gets it and he's a competitor. And uh, I, I like Spencer Jones' demeanor that was mentioned after in the press conference about his slow heartbeat. And I mean, that, that guy is a, you know, he's had some injuries, but he seemed very calm at the plate, hit the ball really, really hard the other night when he pinch hit. And he, course hit the ball in the, to the shortstop made a made a uh, probably an errant throw which he's had back probably should have eaten it and not thrown it because that advanced vast the third so you're seeing once again the people in the lower part of the order <coughs> coming up and and doing their job and if they didn't have that i mean when you start the inning off you're saying well this is going to be an uphill battle with the way that beck's pitching in general but then you've got the lower part of the order and and this team responded and 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 just goes to show you, you just get base runners and anything can happen. You know, that last play, I did not notice the ball was called in the net. Bradfield mentioned it. Um, I guess it's, I don't know if that's a judgment call for the umpires. I mean, it, it did not matter. Spencer Jones right. was scoring him. Mean, he could have he could have jogged home backwards almost um, and, and hit the plate in time. But if you enjoy these podcasts, please thank Jody Jones. He underwrote this this year as the title sponsor of our podcast. 
Jody Jones is a dentist in Nashville. He's a former Commodore football player. But if you have general or cosmetic dentistry needs, go see Jody at 55 Music Square East. He is the guy who serves all kinds of famous people in this town, entertainers, movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches. Jody's clientele is unbelievable. They come to him because he's the best in the business at what he does. His office is not like a typical dentist office. It's been described to me as a tooth spy. I've been in there. I've seen it. It is a very friendly, relaxing atmosphere where you can go get your dental needs met. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Talk some Vanderbilt sports with him again. Thank him for supporting this podcast this year because without him, this does not happen. One other thing, and I did not notice this, but several people have messaged me on this. Apparently, Carter Young threw the bat in celebration and darn near hit Spencer Jones. (laughs) Which just, yeah. you know, yeah, would have added another element to it. Uh, and I'm, I'm not saying that judgmentally kids react in the moment. And, you know, you, you just, you don't anticipate that. But what happened, the question I've gotten is what happens if that ball <laughs> hits hits Jones or or hits something or, or does something where it's, I guess, more in the middle of the play? What's the ruling on that? You mean the bat? If the bat yeah, hits yeah. Jones? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's one of those that you kind of like in uh, uh, Caddyshack when, uh, what was his name, throws the club, you know, and says it, he threw the club, he swings the club uh, and throws it over into the pro shop or whatever. I mean, just it was just an exuberance of excitement. But yeah, that's, that's you talk about nightmare, if that would have hit the catcher or whatever. But uh, that's the way it looked on the, I didn't get to see it except the second angle this morning. But yeah, that's that would have been something uh on top of what already happened, that would have been amazing. I'm just sitting here thinking, Chip, I've seen every big baseball game pretty much that Corbin has coached here, and and a lot that weren't big. I don't have anything that compares to this. Do you? Oh, you know, there's there's some moments in Vanderbilt history that are, you know, uh, crazy and how they were in other sports. I mean, the Barry Goheen shot against Pitt and I mean, that, that comes to mind. Well, well, the, the, on the baseball side, but on the base, Oh, on just in baseball. Yeah. Um, you know, the worst Scott home run, uh, winning, uh, that game. And that goes back probably before some of your listeners even paid attention to Vanderbilt baseball or that was in, what was it? Corbin's first or second year. Um, you know, there's, there's some, there's some craziness that have happened. Uh, the Louisville win, the walk off Louisville win with the home run, I think it was like the 14th or 15th inning, but nothing matches to me the, the zaniness of that game. Just when you were outplayed pretty much the entire way, didn't lead until the last pitch of the game. And, uh, it, 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 all the twists and turns of it, but just how poorly, once again, the whole madness of how poorly the team played for that entire game, except for the ninth inning. And then, and just when you lead that up to the one, nothing, how poorly they played at the plate, how they didn't attack. And you saw a little bit of that aggressiveness last night, at least in the later innings, at least they were not letting 15 pitch first pitch strikes go down the tube uh, and and they were being a little more aggressive. 
you just wonder if this is going to open the floodgates a little bit for Friday afternoon and that they these guys will loosen up a little bit and and realize that they're back in this thing with uh you know they're back in it anyway they got to win twice but back in this thing if they can just piece together some decent hitting because they've got the horses uh still pitching uh to do that so you just wonder what what psychological if this is something that's just gonna when you have a, a, a game that ends like that if they can ride the wave and 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 create momentum going into the weekend well, and that's the thing. This team is not playing at its top. And I don't say that to be critical. I mean, that's just baseball. It's a brutally tough sport. But I'm sitting here looking at them, and I know that fans on our board have had a different take. I was the one last night kind of saying, for a lot of the game, like, what is it that people have just been freaking out about for, for six weeks? I know that the bats have not been hitting like they can, but that happens at times. It's not like they've been just flat out awful. No, they've not been great. Um, you know, frankly, that I rewind to the opener in the NC tournament. They beat Presbyterian 10-0. Uh, you know, a, a team that's clicking all cylinders adds a few more runs to that. Presbyterian just wasn't very good. That uh, They score four runs in game two and gets a pretty mediocre Georgia Tech pitching staff. Uh, you know, the, the heavens open up for runs. In the third game against Tech, is Tech was just running out of pitching. Um, you know, they faced two good guys at East Carolina. They, they get six runs in two games, which is okay, but not great. Um, you know, they, they didn't pile on Arizona. They get seven in that. Well, good performance, but not great. Uh, we know about Monday night. And then last night, uh, they've, they've got a lefty in Matthews who wasn't that great. It just was dealing uh, for a lot of the game, and they finally got some runs off him. But point I'm making is I've seen their offense play better than this. I wouldn't be surprised if it really comes around from here on out. And to me, it's encouraging that they've they've gone 7-1 and one in this event with so much pressure, and, and they're not playing their best baseball in some ways. No, and you, you can pick apart, Chris. Uh, you can go up and down the lineup and just – say one or two things about what these guys are, are not doing that it is a head scratcher. I mean, Bradfield uh, hasn't been stealing base, hadn't st- still hadn't stolen a base in Omaha. Carter Young seemed to can't hit a break, breaking pitch, much less anything. You have uh, any, he's striking out a lot still. Uh, Laniv is a shadow of himself as far as what he was hitting that, you know, 14 to 21 day period. Isaiah Thomas misplays that ball and he's kind of up and down and, Parker Nolan has struggled. He had the wide throw uh, to short and, and trying to get the force out with Carter Young. Rodriguez, it was interesting. Rodriguez, I don't think, played that well last night. It might have been probably the the poorest game I've seen him catch. You know, he did throw a runner out, but I, he dropped a lot of balls. I don't think he framed a lot of pitches like he, he normally does. Um, you know, like he was catching the ball down and not framing properly and not in a good position. Um, with his feet, it just looked like in that. I usually don't say that because I think he's outstanding uh, behind the the dish. But you know, Gonzalez has that error in the first. I mean, we we can sit here and go up and down the lineup all we want and and nitpick. But it it uh, when you can win a game like that and as of all that and you can flush it and say we still won and we're still alive. Now let's build on it and and focus on the positive of what this team can accomplish. It, 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 it's amazing how, you know, losing 
teaches you certain things in, in sport. I mean, you, nothing like uh, a loss can can get you by the bootstraps and say, okay, we need to do this. Well, when you lose and you're eliminated, that's a little difficult. You know, you'd rather not have that alternative. You go home if you lose in this tournament one more time. And so this team has to adjust and whatever it is as far as the hitting approach, attacking earlier in the in the strike zone, or just making the mental plays out on the field, they have that opportunity to learn from that, and they still win a game that they really had no business in winning. I'm not saying, I, trust me, I'm not saying one of these guys who's saying they didn't deserve to win. You deserve everything you get out there in that tournament. You scratch and claw. You deserve to win because you kept battling. So I'm not saying that. But the way they played for that eight and two-thirds of an inning and the way they played at the plate and the, their approach to the previous nine innings uh, against NC State is not indicative of, I think, the talent level this team has. All right, it, it was interesting that Tim kind of said we might not be the ta most talented team out here, and and that's, you know, they're young, and we've talked about it. They're, they're, their experience level is not what they are, but, hey, Stanford's a young team too. I mean, Peterson mentioned that I think six of the nine starters are freshmen, or sophomores, so you really can't use that as a crutch. You've got a lot of young teams out there. But uh, I think what they can accomplish from this win, riding the wave and the momentum of getting them to the point where if they come out tomorrow and get a, a, a big victory and offensive explosion, it can really change this whole concept of the tournament and put them back in the forefront. You know, one other strange thing, and, and this team has been – just picked apart to death. And I push oh, yeah. back against some of that sometimes. I think some of it's unfair. Uh, I know what the expectations were. This is also a, still a pretty young team. Um, and, and it's a great team. Uh, it may not be a perfect team, but it's a great team. And, and it could still win this whole thing. But one other thing that I, I think I just wasn't crazy about is I when they showed shots of that dugout, say the eighth and especially the ninth, they just looked tight and nervous, and, and that did not have the look of a team that was about to win that game. I, I think that's another reason why I just was so astonished at the end is I remember them panning to the dugout, and they focused on rocker and lighter, and a lot of times in that spot you got teams doing rally caps and cheering and clapping their hands and making a lot of noise. They just sat there stone-cold silent as if they were at their own funeral. And, and then, just like I said, just bam, within a couple minutes, it all changed. That was the other layer that just made it really weird. Yeah, I think they showed a, a, a close-up of Carter Young, and he had his uh, you know, his bandana, Vandy Boy's bandana, and he just looked defeated. I'm not saying that he was thrown in the towel, but just the look on those guys' faces, it was, it was – um, it was almost like, is this it? Is this the end? And all it takes is you just hope that that guy's not up to bat. Now, he was in – I think he was next up. Right, he was next up after Bradfield. And um, if if that didn't happen – but, uh, no, was he up at the plate? What was, where was Carter Young? Well, Young, Young, was, Young was at the plate, Right, obviously okay. for the – but I do remember the scene you're talking about is – and I think that's what concerned me is because you're thinking Young is – Maybe you're going to be a guy that needs to deliver for them at some point. And, and just the body language, and, and maybe this may be a lesson to all of us for reading into stuff, uh, but, boy, the body language just didn't look good at the time. 
Yeah, and that's that's unusual because you usually have those guys lifting each other up. But the, you see Enrique Bradfield when he gets to hit and pounding his chest and looking in the dugout and and uh, he did that. I think it was in one of the regionals or super regionals, pounding his chest, and you could read his lips saying, "I'm the one. I'm the one." You, you could read his, which was you know, I'm meaning I'm the one. I'm maybe there was a challenge in the dugout. Who's going to step up? Who's going to be the one? who's going to get the big hit. I think it was the double against East Carolina uh, that he hit down the line. And, uh, you know, it's amazing what television and boom mics can do. I mean, now you can't hide from any of this that we've talked about, the emotion on the bases or anything that happens in the dugout. And that can be good and it can be bad. But, man, you got to like his his want to, as I call it, because there's a lot of want to with that kid. And he wasn't going down without a fight. And it was almost like when he hits, hits the ball, gets the single and ties it up. You just knew, and it went, I'll say this, I, I this was just my personal opinion. If it went to extra innings, I didn't feel good about it for whatever reason. They had to win that game right then. And and Carter Young didn't even have to take the bat off his shoulders with a wild pitch. And, and they get the victory. Well, see, that's weird. I did feel good about it. I thought that they could get another inning out of Murphy. Uh, Beck was obviously losing it at that point, and the rest of the bullpen, I guess they could have gone to Gretsch, who's okay but not great. But, uh, I mean, it's a moot point. I, I've got to do a radio spot in seven or eight minutes. I just want to wrap up a couple of things. One underrated aspect, I think, of last night was just the off-the-bench hitting. Tate Colwick got a big RBI single in the sixth. Uh, that kind of got forgotten about. And, of course, what Spencer Jones did uh, to put the bat on the ball, which you know, those kids hadn't been playing a lot. Jones has been buried for about a month now, and, and Colwick's been hurt and hasn't gotten his job back. So between that and, and Vaz, who just continues to come up big for them, uh, time and time again after not playing, there was the catch, there was the walk. I thought those were, were three – I mean, of course, everybody remembers Vaz because that was front and center and Jones, too. But Colwick's, too, was, was another big moment for them uh, for a guy that was, was kind of put in a, in a hard spot there. Yeah, you got to wonder if, if the move is going to be made with Colwick with the big hit that he had uh, last night. He seems to be, you know, swinging the bat and, or able to swing the bat. And you just wonder if that's something – if there's any – messing around with the lineup you wonder if that's going to be going to be uh, an insertion that Corbin makes or if he just sticks with what he's got but uh, you wonder if also Spencer Jones he looks very comfortable the confidence that you kind of want to ride that if some guy who who comes and and gets a big hit like he does and hits the ball hard he's hit it twice now and doesn't seem phased so those are the two things I think you look at uh, with with the lineup coming up here on 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 Friday afternoon, and if there's any adjusting, I'm not sure if you have any thoughts, but those are two things that maybe gets uh, altered a bit. Well, I would have moved Vaz up to second. I still would. I don't know why they didn't change the order, but they lived to tell about it. Um, the other thing, you know, if they did do put Colwick in, Nolan has started every game this year. Frankly, I think Parker has been a little underrated. I know he had the bad error last night, but he gets two hits. One knocks in a run with two outs in the sixth. Really, you know, things go a little differently. Maybe he's the hero in the night because the first baseman makes a good play on a ball that he hit hard enough to get through, but it didn't. But I don't know how that plays out. I suspect what happens. Maybe you see Colwick back at second. Uh, Maybe you see Nolan go in the DH spot instead of Leneve, you know, who's now been pulled 
two straight games and pinch hit four. Um, you know, it, it's a lefty there where Leneve's a lefty. I don't know that that's what I do, but Corbin obviously is not going to pull, I don't think, Parker um, from the lineup. But but I think Parker also deserves some credit because he's made some big plays that have kind of gone unnoticed. Yeah, I agree. I, I And I you could see some mess you could see some adjustments made in the lineup there but i agree with you i mean you've got nolan you've got on the other side of it a guy who's been in every ball game out there and he's played for several weeks and that experience that i could you could maybe see some switching of the roles of the of the dh but chris i know you got to go uh but i i think uh to do your spot but you know in summary you got a baseball game to play friday afternoon you're gonna have rocker on the mound don't look at the bracket right it's just a baseball game i just talked about it last podcast we're not looking at the bracket. You got one of the top pitchers in baseball going against North Carolina State. They've never seen him. That's an advantage uh, in this situation for Vanderbilt. I think you can ride the momentum, hope the bats wake up. And the greatest scenario, of course, would be to save the bullpen. If Rocker can go and give you seven innings of strong pitching and you get some offense behind him, even though there's a day in between here, which is great, you've got – you could – Therefore, you know, Maldonado threw 51 pitches, McIlvain 30, who I thought was great. Uh, you still have Murphy only threw 17. There's some weather in Omaha, and that could be looking at the weather forecast. If the rain backs this thing up, that just, I think, advantage Vanderbilt even more to the rest of Penn. So we're just playing one game at a time, uh, one playing one-game seasons and, and not even looking beyond that because if you do that, I think it still looks too monumental and – too difficult of a task and, and play this game and tell it until uh, they tell you, you got to go home. You just keep playing. Well, two things quickly. Dominic Keegan deserves a lot of credit, had probably the most underrated moment of the night with that two run home run. He really has had some big hits. I know the strikeouts bother people, but let's give credit where it's due. And I think sometimes he doesn't get enough. Uh, one more question for you before we go, presuming that, Rocker starts Friday, which I think is the right call. I think the right move is to go Riley on Saturday and take your chances. And again, that's if rain doesn't back this thing up. Uh, then you get lighter on more rest and have a better chance to win it. But how do you play it? Yeah, that, that's how I play it. I don't think there's any other way you play it because I think it goes against what Corbin normally, normally does. At, at the same token, you look at what North Carolina State's going to do. Uh, are they going to throw their number three? Because Vanderbilt last year in the position that North Carolina State is in right now, Vanderbilt uh, threw um, and, and their in ball game they threw number three, and I'm losing my mind. Mason Hickman. Hickman, yeah, yeah, they didn't. They did not go to the to the number one starter they threw on Saturday. So you you would think, you know, with having to win two games, if I'm guessing, I don't know if they've announced a starter, but you would think they would throw their number three. You don't know that. Um, but we'll just have to remain to be seen. I think you go rocker and then you throw Riley on Saturday. If you get past and win that game, we're looking at the bracket here and I'm not supposed to, but you ask me. So I think you do that. And because you're, you got to decide as a coach, Chris, it's, it's two schools of thought. Some people would do one and the other. Uh, are you trying to win the national championship or are you trying to get to the national championship series? Because if you throw lighter in game two, uh, if you throw him on Saturday, then he can't throw it all in the national championship series. And to me, I think that's more of what you're trying to do. I mean, making it to the three-game series is great, but setting yourself up to win a national title is the ultimate goal. And also just with, with Leiter having 
that that'd be four days rest, and I don't think they would do that to that kid. Yeah, I agree with you. Well, I've got to run. I'm about to get a radio call any moment. He's Chip Frederick. I'm Chris Lee. Thanks for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast. We will have another one of these, whether that's following a, a Friday win or a Friday loss or God knows what. But uh, we'll have at least one more baseball broadcast or podcast this season. Uh, thank you for listening. Chip, thank you. And um, goodness gracious, it's going to get really interesting, whatever's ahead. Wild 24 hours we just had, and, and hopefully we get a few more victories. All right. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast. We'll see you again very soon.